everyone. Welcome to the show Off the Record. I'm Aram Milkumov, the host. Thanks for tuning in. On the show, I'm interviewing well-known CEOs and VCs about how to spend the money you raise effectively and what mistakes to avoid. Uh, my guests have been in the trenches and have lots of practical advice to share company stories, failures, and successes. So we'll be uh, hearing all about that. As a founder, you'll hear what you can do better uh, when raising money and after you have raised the money all in a 30-minute conversation. And if you happen to be a VC, uh, you're also in the right spot. You'll learn from your peers. Uh, so this is episode two of Off the Record, and I'm here with Henry Asaley. Um, quick background on Henry. Uh, Henry has 20 years experience as a serial entrepreneur, uh, focused on internet-related businesses, and has particular expertise in relation to algorithmic, algorithmics and computer science. Uh, he is the founder of BizRate, which got later rebranded to Shopzilla and acted as a CEO until its sale in 2005 uh, for 569 million US to the EW Scripps company. So uh, it's very interesting. Uh, congrats on that, Henry. We could talk about that a bit more when you could give some more background. Uh, and then afterwards, Henry went on to become the co-founder and managing partner of Leap Ventures, an entrepreneur-led technology venture capital firm that operates in uh, Amina and Europe, and he's now gone back to being a founder and is doing several advisory and CTO roles with other startups. So without further ado, thank you, Henry, for uh, being on our show. Um, hopefully I got all that background that uh, you've done in the last 20 years. It's quite impressive. So um, anything I missed you want to add on to? Well, you know, it's been 20 years. It's, uh, it's a long time. Actually, it's been 25 years now. 25 years uh, since okay. uh yeah i think i think we started uh my partner and i my co-founder and i farhad mohit in uh 95 to think about what we wanted to do and in 96 we officially founded our first company so yeah it's it's you know time flies time flies yeah awesome so let's jump into it um i have a lots of questions to go through with you so i'm really excited for the content um i wanted to kind of start off by um talking about your experience. So you've been a founder, you've been a VC, you're, you're going back and helping startups now. And so startups in general, regardless of what size they are, they need a lot of help uh, in, you know, at the early stages. And there could be help from VCs at times when, uh, when they get some investment. What, what do you need to look for in a VC um, as a founder to understand the type of potholes they can help you navigate? Um, it, it depends on uh, what uh, uh, you know series you're you're uh, raising at, uh, basically at what stage you're in in uh, in your startup. So uh, let's start with the first stages. Mm -hmm. um, if you're if you're super early founder, I mean you've you've founded the company, you got got friend and family money and some of your own pocket, uh, and and you start your company, the you're not going to get VCs you're going to get uh, business angels. Those guys, what you uh, want from these guys are uh, business angels who have a lot of experience. Those who have been doing a lot of investments and who understand the risks and will not be on top of you day in, day out saying what's going on. I want to know what, my, you know, when are we going to cash out? What are we going to do? Because this stuff happens. You want business angels who have done dozens and dozens of investments. Mm -hmm. You also want, similarly, those guys who've done dozens of investments have a lot of uh, connections. Hopefully these guys have had companies that have then gone on 
to raise money from VCs. And so they've got connections with these VCs. So what at this super early stage, what you want is these guys, these business angels who have a, a, a couple of, you know, a couple of features of so experience and who ultimately have connections with the kinds of VCs that you will be looking for in your next round. Mm -hmm. So next, then the next round. So you've done the, the business angel stuff. Luck, hopefully you've got the right guys and, and it's improving. It's going really well. And we want to do your series A and this time you want to bring in some VCs. Now the VCs are a different breed. Uh, the VCs will do less investments than the business angels will take less risk. They expect certain things and often it's going to be pretty much by the book. Unfortunately, it's too often by the book. So, uh, you know, we can, we can talk about the pros and cons of these things, but, uh, uh, they're, they're pretty like set in their ways, especially when you're in, when you're in, an, um, in an industry that, uh, whose uh, KPIs and modus operandi have been uh, set by the, the VC space and, and previous companies. So then, you know, the VC will come and say, oh, uh, you need, you know, uh, uh, this much ARR. Uh, you know, you need, uh, et cetera, et cetera, all the standard KPIs for your industry. And if you don't have them, uh, then the VC will not invest. But if you do have them, then the VC will invest. Now, what you want to look for is a kind of VC who goes beyond this and looks beyond these things and says, oh, you're, you're, maybe you're in this industry or in that industry, and I understand this industry very well, and I've got all the connections, and I've got all the knowledge about this industry. But at the same time, I will look at your idiosyncrasies, at your specifics if you're, of your company, and to see where you can do something else and something new, where you can disrupt things, where you can improve on things. And then we'll tweak the, our requested KPIs to, to go in that direction of yours, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I will, uh, if I'm a VC and, and you're doing something brand new and doing something super exciting somewhere, like maybe one of your KPIs is not that good, but then you've got another one that's, that's, that's killing it. And I know as a VC, when, when I invest in you, I can help you recruit and then you fill the, 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 your, your weak role, your weakness, your fill, will, I'll help you fill it with really strong guys. And so we'll fill the team and, and uh, uh, with, uh, with men and women who really know what they're doing and, and uh, well, well, we'll fix that problem. Mm -hmm. Got it. And some VCs um, from, from my conversations with some and just from other people in, in the industry, um, oftentimes more than not, when a founder gets money from a VC, um, the VC kind of expects certain things from them. And, you know, sometimes they don't have time to help them, you know, in different aspects of their business. Like they can't be that involved or, you know, have, have that much input at times. What have you seen or how have you kind of juggled this uh, with your past experience before? Well, VCs will not have a lot of time for you. They've got a bunch of investments and they need to, uh, to uh, deal with their limited partners and raise funds as well. As much as you're raising funds, a VC will raise at least as much as you will. In fact, you're not even more. So the VC is constantly raising funds as well. Now, that said, what you, as a founder, what you, what you need to do is to have a very good relationship with your VC and call your VC, talk to your VC, when problems happen, 
or when you expect problems to happen. And you also want that VC to be able to answer you and to respond to you and to help you with problems. You don't want to hide the problems of the VC. So what you, what you want is kind of a balance where you're not going to bother the VC if things are going well. You're going to actually bother the VC if things are not going so well. And what you also need to do is to make sure that your communication with the VCs is to the point. It's, it's, it's just enough, no more, no less. But definitely when you have problems, you call the VC right away and say, this is what's going on. I got this issue. Can you help me? But it's not like, a, can you help me? I don't know what to do. It's more of a, I know my problem. I've identified it. I know what's going on. I need this. Like uh, my, 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 uh, one, one of my friends, he had a, one of the big um, startups and uh, he had a big issue with Apple. So he's, uh, he, had, he, he pushed a, a, a release to the App Store and it happens. It had a huge bug. And, and people just couldn't use the, 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 the program. And, uh, you know, you go through the app store process and it takes a couple of days, three, four, five days, and then you got zero revenue for five days. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's a disaster, right? Yeah. So, uh, well, not luckily because he's got a ton of experience. He, we worked together and we started a bunch of companies. So, so he really knows what he's doing. He ended up uh, having um, uh, Sequoia as a VC. So the mm -hmm. first thing he did, he called up his the partner at Sequoia and he said, "Hey, I got this major problem. Help me. Like, that's uh, can can you help me? Get on the call with Apple, with Eddie Q at Apple, and we, we got to push through this release, a new release mm -hmm. that I've got." And the guy knows. Okay, okay, no problem. Makes get, gets on the phone, makes a phone call, gets it done. Ten minutes, problem solved. That's the kind of relationship you need to have with your VC. And the more, the more experienced, the more uh, professional, the, more, the bigger the VC, the more precise you have to be and the, the, and the better you have to manage your relationship with the VC. You really have to put some thought into it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very interesting. And like you mentioned Sequoia, they're, they're based in the Valley. Um, you know, a lot of startups, a lot of really big startups came from Silicon Valley. And um, from an investment standpoint, I'm, I'm kind of curious because you've invested into companies in, in Europe and in, you know, uh, Asia and uh, kind of all over the world. And um, you know, cost of talent and everything is quite expensive in Silicon Valley. What, what perspective do you have about you know, companies outside the Valley in terms of uh, setting up teams or like increasing runway. Can you share some insight on that? Oh, you know, it's, it's the, the hot potato right now with the COVID and all these issues and, and uh, everybody going, uh, to, you know, uh, remote, etc. But it's been going on for a very long time. Uh, you know, founders of companies have been obsessed with cash since the beginning and it's totally mm -hmm normal you know it's it's the reality of it is uh, you need you need your blood and uh, the blood of a company is cash so you need the cash and uh it's tough to raise cash it costs money and uh you know the more efficient you are the better you are so it's, founders have always been trying to improve on that and one of the things is you know how much does it cost to to hire my people and 
even I, when I started my first company at the age of 25, so Bizray, uh, Shopzilla, back, uh, back in the US, so we were in Philadelphia. We were finishing our MBA at Wharton and we were at the right place, right time. And my buddy and I, uh, we decided, you know, we're going to start this uh, this company. So where are we going to start it? We could we we could do Silicon Valley, San Francisco. We could do Austin at the time or LA. And his parents were in LA, and we're like, you know, well, Austin, no. Uh, although it's a pretty nice place, very nice place, but no. And then Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley or Los Angeles, which one? And then, you know, LA to 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 San Francisco is nothing. It's a 50-minute flight. You can no. you could you can go in and out of San Francisco from LA if you're close to the LA airport. Um, have your meeting, come back, and be back by lunch in Los Angeles. Well, that's before COVID and all the other stuff. So you could do that. And so we start we started thinking, hey, wh why don't we just go to LA? Plus, I I don't mind the the weather. It's kind of very similar to where I'm from, Lebanon, and and everything's cool. And and it's, and then we thought there will be less competition for talent, mm -hmm. and we were vindicated. There was a lot less competition for talent. We were able to hire some incredible people, PhDs, anything you wanted, who were super mm -hmm. happy to come work in Los Angeles because they loved that area. There's a bunch of them were surfers. Others, you know, just like the mountains whatever and they can i mean in los angeles you, you drive you go places it's different it's a different mentality than san francisco and and some of older people as well we hired people in their 40s and their 50s uh, back then it was like weird you know uh you start up you you hire you hire gray beards why well these people were incredible for us they changed mm -hmm. our whole business and they were not that expensive and when the whole hype happened so we started in 96 it wasn't that much and then by 98 it started heating up 99 2000 before march was insane in silicon valley you couldn't do anything i mean you could sell your company for crazy amounts of money and uh on paper probably but that's pretty much it you couldn't do anything everybody was fighting everybody everybody's stealing the talent from everybody and while in los angeles we were able to focus and do our work so 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 there's a piece of focus and then there's a piece of of, of, of uh, more efficient use of your of your resources and your money, and therefore your your um, your runway is extended. Uh, you spend less time raising money. You spend more time focusing on your work. I mean, this whole thing really does the job. Now, the beauty of LA is that when we needed the money, the the first round was really tough because we were in this the the Silicon Valley uh, funds were really focused on investing in Silicon Valley only. So the first round, our Series A, was very tough, and we got some money from local VCs from LA and San Diego who were looking for deals, and all the, and all the Silicon Valley deals, they couldn't get them. So they found our deal, and they got in, and they were ultimately super happy, of course. But then when we got to Series B, then, then the, 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 the San Francisco people came in, the, the usual Sand Hill Road people came in, and they started investing in our company. So yeah. Uh, at the time, the first round was super tough, but today it's a different ballgame. Today, it's been a decade almost where Silicon Valley funds are looking for deal flow. They're, they, they know that talent is everywhere. They've been, you know, they, their portfolio companies have been hiring from all over the place. You know, mm -hmm. French 
how many how many French engineers are in Silicon Valley? How many Ukrainians? How many Russians? Well, actually, the Russians have all gone to to, to New York to to work in quant finance. But if, if you could find one to work for your company, you should be super happy. So, I mean, they know now that talent is everywhere, and they try to get the talent. And they also understand that money is expensive. So, when when they find founders who are capable of having multiple uh, um, multiple offices and juggle this. And, and able to, to, to open an office where the talent is and ensure that uh, the operations are smooth, that is a huge win and a huge plus in the, in, in, in the uh, view of the venture capitalist. Huge plus. Okay, that's, that's really interesting. With everything kind of going on now, and I'm just curious, I'm, I'm sure you've, you've seen some things happen, but I want to get your perspective on something. Like, as a founder, let's say I go and I raise the money. The VCs bought into my story and you know they love us and they bought into the direction that we're going with. And like, let's hypothetically, let's say the market shift, whether it's COVID or some other kind of external factor that, that has influenced now the business. How do you go about convincing investors at that time that you need to change direction, you need to pivot or you need to adapt? Um, have you, come across anything like this any kind of suggestions you could put you know it's it, it's definitely part of the communication with the uh, vcs but that's mm -hmm. a, it's this is a very specific area and and uh, it's it's a very very important point it's a it's a great question what your, your relationship with the vc with your vc evolves over time mm -hmm. uh, before that when, when you meet first the VC, uh, you have to hook that VC. You have to you have to get him excited about your your story. So you got to be very good storyteller. Now you might come highly recommended, which is a great thing, or you might it might be a cold call. All of all of this is possible. Cold call is even much harder. But you know, the colder the call, the more impressive you have to be in front of the VC. So you, you really have to have a great storytelling cap capability. But then let's say the VC then likes what you're doing and then looks up your, your information. And now, now before, before uh, uh, you know, doing the due diligence, before investing, you're going to be you know, showing your company in the best possible light. You're not going to lie or anything, and you shouldn't. You absolutely shouldn't. But you should try to focus on what you do best versus what you don't do very well, which is also normal and the VCs know all of that and everybody knows it, it's pretty standard. Then the VC decides to invest, great. The VC invests, you guys are now in the same boat. You're going in the same direction, which is why I said earlier that when you have problems, you have to go straight to your VC and say, I've got this problem, this is how, you know, help me solve it in this way. But as soon as you, how you 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 get the VC to invest. Now you've got what we call a honeymoon. There's a honeymoon for a for a certain while, like uh, you know six months, three months, eight months, nine months, whatever it is. However, the better you perform, the longer the honeymoon lasts. At mm -hmm. some point, at some point, you guys are gonna have your first, you know, conflict or butting conflict heads, conflict problem, <laughs> butting heads, whatever, right? Yeah. So uh, how how do you deal with that? Well, you deal with that earlier. 
you deal with that by by planning for it. You know it's going to happen. So how do you plan for it? You plan for it even before the the um, VC invests. How do you plan for it? Before the VC invests, first thing you do is you prepare your company for the capital injection. You don't wait for the capital injection to plan for what you're going to do with the capital injection. So you plan very well. You even, you even, you know, almost hire people. You don't hire them, but you just, you're ready to pull the trigger for hiring those people. Or you're ready to pull the trigger for doing this marketing campaign. You prepared everything. And as soon as the money comes in, bam, you trigger all of these things, especially what we call a quick wins, where mm -hmm. you're in control of what's going on. Certain things you're not in control of. Most things you're not in control of. You know, the market, the client uh, behavior, uh, some, some, techno some technology uh, 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 advances that, that you just, you know, you can't solve certain problems and it's going to take a while, etc. But other mm -hmm. things you are in control of. You are in control of certain, you know, certain marketing campaigns that you want to do, how effective you are, how good you are at attacking these and these places. Maybe they're not, you're not going to get a great result, but you're operationally, you've got to do things the right way. Hiring, hiring, you got to prepare for hiring and you got to hit your hiring really hard and really well. Uh, product development you can do, etc. So there are many things that you can do that you're in control over. If you do those right at the beginning, you're scoring quick victory points. You're mm -hmm. showing the VC that you know what you're doing and you're operationally very capable. That's super important for the VC. Especially the, in the early stages where the VC doesn't know anything. It doesn't know the business, doesn't know that the business is really good. It's not making that money. It's, you know, what, what is the VC going to look at? He's going to mm -hmm. look at how well you manage your company and how operationally good you are. So get those quick wins early so that by the time you're going to start butting heads or, you, or uh, let's, let's be more positive, you, you see that there is a big problem like COVID and you're thinking, oh, wow, I used to be in... Um, in, in, in enterprise uh, food catering, I now need to do uh, hospital food catering, mm -hmm. which is one of our companies, uh, portfolio companies did that in Europe. And, you know, some VCs might be like, no, it's out of your uh, sphere of, uh, of expertise, uh, too risky, too whatever. Well, if you've been executing like crazy, super tight until then, mm -hmm. When you go and tell your VC, I'm going to move from, uh, from the hospitality industry to the, 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 the health industry, the guy will be like, yeah, I mean, it's worth a shot. You, you know what you're doing. And now and so it's at, smooth. Now it's and smooth. so at that, at that stage, when that happens, and say there's multiple VCs on, on your board, right? Um, say you're a bit further along and you need to do this pivot. Aside from just presenting the idea to them in terms of what you need to do, what are some other things that you need to demonstrate to them on the change in focus or the change in the mindset that you need to now do? Like, what are some things yeah. that can be done as a founder at that stage? Okay. There, a lot of it is psychological. You need to comfort them. They're going to look okay. at the risks. They're going to be like, okay, you know, we know this market. And you, you, you sold us on this market. We know this market. Now you're saying, let's go to that market. I might not know that market as a VC, or I might know that market, but I might not know that you know that market. 
-hmm. you've got relationships here, you've built, you've built a business here. How can you move your things over to that business? So you need to reduce the, the risk factor. You need to uh, reduce the perceived risk of moving to that other business model. So one thing you can, one thing you can do is to show them how closely related these two areas are, or you can tell them, look, I've, 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 uh, I've done a lot of my homework on this. Uh, this is my plan of attack. And so you prepare for it. You do your homework, you know, your stuff and you tell them, this is what we're going to do. One, two, three, and I'm going to move these people here, these people there, that, this, that, this, you've got to show that you're in control, that you know what you're doing. And, and then it's up to the VC to go and say, okay, operationally, you seem to know what you're doing. So we, I can't say you don't know. I mean, you, you, you've got your, your plan, but then I'm going to be like, maybe as a VC, well, but you know, what tells me that this market is better? Well, you got to do your market assessment to, to say, I mean, you know, you, you got to tell a story, you got to tell a new story, you but resell you really it have to be on top of it. You do have to resell it again, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Okay, that's very interesting. Thanks, Henry. Um, and I know, like, with your background, I, I, I'm I'm curious myself. Um, you, you were a successful founder. You went um, to be you co-founded and became the managing partner of Leap Ventures, and now you're going back into being a founder and working with startups again. I've seen it happen before, but I want to kind of get your perspective on this in terms of what made you change. Um, interest or, you know, like lose interest in investing and things like that. And talk about that so that I'm personally, I'm really curious myself, uh, but I'm sure others are as well. Um, any insight you could share there? Well, I, I haven't lost focus in investing or, or interest in investing. Uh, investing is always an interesting, uh, very interesting uh, aspect of, of what I do. Uh, however, uh, what um, doesn't really interest me that much is the raising of money part. Today, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm lucky. I was successful and I did well and I, I don't need the money. So if I want to start a company or if I want to invest in a company in the early stages, not in the latter stages, I don't have billions uh, or even hundreds of millions, but if I want to start a business with a partner and I see the, the, I've got some really strong operational partners and we want to start a business and we want to invest in it, I can invest in it. I can invest my own money in it. I can do the work. I can help that partner. We can go really far together um, and, and then all the way to sale or, or fundraising, et cetera. So that is interesting to me. Yeah. Having to go and to raise funds from what we call limited partners, so companies, individuals, whatever, to say to them, I will manage your money and I will invest your money and convince them that they should be allocating 10, 15% of their portfolio to super high risk, potentially super high reward VC is not something of much interest to me, especially since the VC business is extremely, how should I say, uh, skewed towards the top of the iceberg. 
How does the VC business work? The VC business really works when you're excellent at relationships. So you're a VC, you're raising money from very large corporations, especially very large corporations. You raise a lot of money. And then you go into the market and you ask those corporations first, what are your problems? What are your issues? What are you looking to do? What are you looking to find? And they tell you these are our issues, our problems, whatever. You go into the market, you look at the startups in that space, and you say, this one is of interest to me. Oh, can you do this to this other startup? And this other startup tells you, yeah, it's interesting. Why? Because there's a market for this. The startup says, okay, I'm doing this. Right? What do you do? You put money into that startup, you help it grow, and then you turn around to that, uh, to that corporation, and you tell that corporation, you're interested in buying it? And the corporation will say, maybe no, but then the other one will say yes, or the, the, the you know, or or you'll go public because you've already got ten corporate of the largest corporations in the world using your product, and then you've made ten x, twenty x, fifty x your money, and that's how you're a successful VC. Mm -hmm. Without the luck, without the pure luck. Others, when they start, and they're not at the top of the pyramid, and they've got a ton of money and all the relationships, you when you're successful as a VC, when you're lucky. Purely lucky, just just like a, a, a founder of a startup. It's not, you know, it's not that different as far as luck is concerned. And even it's you need even more luck as a VC. But as a uh, as a founder, you already need about, you know, I would say sixty percent pure chance. Mm -hmm. Pure chance. That's, as that's a VC, really you might need eighty percent. And so now, kind of not having that responsibility, raising the, the, the funds with LPs, do you feel like you could actually have a lot more impact being a founder again or having like, you know, your true involvement helping some of these companies that you're working with now, uh, as opposed to before where, you know, you have to manage all these funds and you have priorities in different areas. Now you could kind of like focus a bit more. Oh, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And then you see that you, that you have a huge leverage from your experience so so you can you can actually go into those companies and say okay uh, you know uh, you need my help uh, not just you know money wise but some of the companies I don't even invest any money but they come to me and they say hey I need I, we, we need your help like uh, right. uh, be the advisor to the CEO, CEO uh, and fill the gaps wherever necessary like uh, do uh, do be a, a temporary CTO or do a temporary chief product officer or strategy or whatever and then I look at those companies and I say hold on a second there is a, there's there's a major organizational problem here mm -hmm. You're, you you guys are not talking to each other like this you need to do this and let's rearrange some things and then instantly you you improve the performance of the company dramatically just because you've been there and you've done it before, it's not rocket science. I mean, yeah. you know, you've, you've, you've yeah, been that crap for years and yeah, it's just, yeah. it's not rocket science. It's not that I'm brilliant or anything. It's just that, yeah. you know, you've done it before and, and you failed and you succeeded and you know what works and you see when, you know, you're a mechanic and you're a decent enough mechanic and, and uh, you've been, you've been looking at cars your whole life and then comes a car and then you hear it and you say, hey, there's something wrong with the valve here. Just because you can feel it, Same right? Thing. And that's yeah, that's yeah. what happens. That's what happens. That's so so you, you have so much value, added value. And it's not like I need to be doing work day in, day out, go, go to the office and punch punch in. No, it's it's so cool because 
I, I have the time to analyze, to look at things, and then I say, okay, hear this thing. And you do a little tweak, a tiny tweak, and then the whole thing changes. And this I love. Very interesting. Thank you, Henry. Um, last question before we wrap up. Uh, what, with everything kind of going on now and your prior experience, what would be your advice to tech founders who have SaaS products uh, who are going to be raising money in the next six months, let's say? Oh, that's a, that's a broad range of products. I mean, pretty much everything is a SaaS now. You know, everything is cloud-based. Uh, everything is SaaS. I, I would say it all depends where you are and what kind of uh, industry you're in. Um, if you're in an area of the world where uh, funding is very hard to find, then I suggest you move. Still, still. Mm. Uh, you can move pretty much anywhere. I mean, if you're in Europe, if you're in Europe, you can move anywhere. If, if you're in yeah. Italy, for example, fundraising is extremely tough. It will be extremely tough. You can go other places where fundraising is substantially easier, whether it's uh, in Germany or in France or somewhere. Uh, you know, these kinds, of, these kinds of moves, like it's tactical moves that will help you raise funding faster. Another thing to do is, um, is to try to figure out uh, how you're going to really compete with the others. Because now, you know, the market is saturated with all sorts of things. So how are you going to stand out? How? Imagine, especially now, I mean, you know, everybody's home. Everybody's home, working from home, doing your mm -hmm. Zoom calls and working and whatnot. Okay. You're going to do your Zoom calls. Very good. I mean, you see what happens. You look at your calendar and it's full. How am I, am I as, a, as a founder of a new SaaS product, trying to cold call or to get you to buy my product, going to be able to inject myself in your super busy schedule. It, it's complicated. So what you need to do is to, to try to be able to hold on, to hold on until either the market rebounds very quickly and everybody's looking for new things to do because things are changing dramatically. Or if it doesn't rebound very quickly, many companies are going to die. And then you're going to have more time and, and it's going to be less difficult for you to start. Because remember, uh, you, it, it's never a better time to launch a business than towards the end of a downturn. Why is that? In the, still in the downturn. Mm -hmm. Because downturn. everybody's got time. Everybody's got time for you. And mm. you have no competition. The competition is dead. Everybody's mm. killed. And, and, I mean... You, you you can take the time to do things right. The key is finding the funding, though. And so companies that have that runway, that capital, you think that they would just outlast kind of situations like what we're going through with the pandemic with the cash they have at hand versus other ones which are, you know, not as cash rich? Absolutely. I mean, you, you, you outlast your competitor, you've already won. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. imagine, think about that. Uh, there's a, your market has 10 competitors. All right. Uh, the market is a billion dollars. You're competing all together. Then by the end of the pandemic, your uh, market is 800 million. Maybe if it hasn't grown, might be, let's say 700 million, but six of your competitors are dead. 
And you know that it might be 600 million at the end of the pandemic, two years later is 1.2 billion. I mean, it's going to recover and increase or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So you're, you're dramatically better if you, when you outlast your competitors in a, in a downturn. Mm -hmm. Great, great. Awesome. Okay, we're, we're at time, uh, Henry. Thank you so much. I really appreciate all the knowledge, that great wisdom with your great experience that you have. So thank you so, far, thank you so much for joining Off the Record. And thank you to everybody who uh, who's going to be listening to this. Um, just to kind of recap, Off the Record is a, a new series that we're doing with the goal to build a community of founders and VCs around it so they can make their businesses better. Uh, so thanks again, and I'll see you next time and uh, join for the next episode. Thank you. We are proud.